Good evening and oh, good evening, good morning, and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. I'm gonna wake up Raj and we're gonna get this show on the road. Let's go. Good morning. Good morning. Give me a second here. Oh, we're good. <laughs> all right. 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 Right there. Give me a second. Give me a second. Who doesn't like Demi Moore? I said. There you go. You can do her biography if you like. You're trying, trying to prove your acceptance of the nude form. I don't have to prove it. <laughs> I don't have to prove it's anything. A fact. <laughs> it's like I bought a poster. Well, you notice it's autographed. Oh, really? Nah, <clears throat> I got it up an auction. It was only hundred bucks. Really? Yeah, autograph checks out too. It looks like an authentic autograph. So, yeah. You're dedicated it's to really, Demi for more fans. It was part of an auction. I just bought it. Uh, no, but yeah, you don't like Demi more? No? Okay. I mean, it's, she's not from my generation of films. She's exactly from my generation. She's a month older than me. <laughs> Actually, four weeks older than me. So, wow. 1962. Born in New Mexico, by the way. Roswell. Really? Became a pinup girl at 16. So she's had kind of a screwy life. And her parents were, her dad was a shit. Her stepdad was a shit. <laughs> yeah, she ran away from home. <clears throat> All right. She got kicked off her first movie, Saint Almost Fire. She kicked that right off it because she was doing cocaine. <laughs> like that. So she was fucked up, like really fucked up. Yeah, then, no kidding. And then she, then she became a star and met Bruce Willis. He was much older. And uh, married him, had kids, had divorced, married Ashton Kutcher. A lot of people forget. So she was a cougar. <laughs> <laughs> married, married a guy much older than married a guy much younger. So she was doing Whoa. both, right? <clears throat> and they got broke. Number, I guess. Yeah, so we're all in again. G.I. Jane, a few good men, you know, she's in the Navy for uh, G.I. Jane and for a few good men. She's in Ghost, you know, Striptease, of course, where she was kind of autobiographical a little bit, but doing anything for money at one point in her life, right? Uh, yeah, so. <clears throat> Got your articles ready? Yeah, so. Right. It's only uh, 610, but my blank white wall's no longer there. <laughs> Plus, we can do this for our movie things, too, right? Because we're doing um, the 70s show, yeah. right? Her ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> when she was robbing the cradle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, today I'm before coffee. Crane may be willing to hold talks on Crimea, suggests Zelensky's advisor. 
Report details staggering church sex abuse in Maryland. French unions to hold a day of strikes after talks with the Prime Minister failed. Are robot waiters the future? Some restaurants think so. Russian girl who drew anti-war pictures has left orphanage, Children's Commissioner says. Uh, those stories and more lists and stuff in our new news format, which is... If I can't, well, I'm going to try out for one show anyway. The comprehensive news of planet Earth. You get that? <laughs> you got that on there. Did it hold it up long enough? Yes. Yeah. I can, I can put it back there on the thing here. No, you won't see it there. It's always okay. be there. Well, it'll be there in the future. Okay. It's okay. The fan's going to blow it off now. Believe it or not, it got hot. <laughs> yeah, my silly fans are gone. Yeah. Yeah, so here we go. News. And, and, and it's I get okay. a hug. No, no, it's good to be predictable because then you have a show. <laughs> That's what a show is. <laughs> if it's good, predictable. <laughs> it was good predictable. It's boring predictable. It's all boring. I, that's your it. opinion, I guess. Um, you, that people do call the news boring. It's not supposed to be entertainment for the most The people. news is boring. Everybody says, liven it up. Yeah, let's <laughs> liven it up. Let's do it. Let's do voices. Uh, do I can't do voices. voices. Ukraine might yeah. be. Maybe you need to do voices though, because you and talk slower, so people you're saying. I, I can be Hamlin Kelsell. Ukraine may, might be willing to discuss the future of Crimea with Moscow if its forces reach the border of Russian-occupied peninsula. An advisor to Vladimir Zelensky has suggested. In an interview with the Financial Times, Andriy Sibiha, the deputy of the president's office, expresses key interest in negotiations should Ukrainian forces reach the region's administrative border as a result of an anticipated Ukrainian counteroffensive. Many expect begin in the coming months. We will succeed in achieving our strategic goals on the battlefield. And when we will be on the administrative border with Crimea, we are ready to open a diplomatic page to discuss the issue. Tibia asked or said. He added, it doesn't mean that we exclude the way of liberation of Crimea by our army. It was unclear how serious Tibia's remarks were or whether they might represent information to lead Moscow to believe Kyiv's offensive coming offensive was focused on the south in the direction of Crimea, following previous successful military deception efforts by Kyiv last year. With Ukraine under continuing Russia pressure in the eastern city of Bakhmut, and Zelensky once again hitting at the potential for a withdrawal there, the remarks may also be aimed at bolstering Ukrainian public morale by projecting confidence over a counteroffensive's likelihood for success. The comments by Sibia, a diplomat, appears to represent a U-turn on Zelensky's previous statements in which he ruled out peace talks until Russian forces left all of Ukraine, including the Russian-occupied Crimea. Crimea has been under Russian occupation since February 2014, was legally illegally annexed by Moscow the following month after a mock referendum. The comments came amid a continuing military buildup by Kyiv 
ahead of its anticipated spring offensive, the arrival of Western tanks and armored fighting vehicles. With Ukraine still pushing for five extra fighter jets, many analysts say it needs to pursue its wider military ambitions. Zelensky, during the visit to Warsaw, said Poland would help form a coalition of Western powers by warplanes to the Battle of Bakhmut, one of the last urban centers yet to fall to Russia in eastern Donetsk province, has proven one of the bloodiest of Russia's invasion. Now it's in its 14th month. Damn, that's a long time. Ukrainian military commanders have stressed the importance of holding it and other cities, lifting losses on Russian troops and anticipating counteroffensive. Ukrainian military expert Vladislav Zelenskyov says Ukrainian forces be able to defend the position in the more heavily built up west of Bakhmut as long as the routes to the west road of life, they're calling it, getting supplies is in and wounded out remained open. The situation is extremely difficult, but keeping the defense of Bakhmut in place serves one very important matter. It is responsible for exhausting the human and technical capabilities of those units of Russia army attacking the city. Zelenskyov told Obo's Revital news website. The U.S. Space Institute for the Studies of War said mercenaries from Russia's Wagner private militia would be would try to consolidate control of the city center, push westward through dense urban neighborhoods. Go, update on the Ukrainian war and Crimea. So it's getting warmer, and we're going to see more war. More warmer, more war. It's a really poor uh, slogan. Yeah. All right. In uh, religious news, report details staggering church sex abuse in Maryland. This is AP News. Lee Skenke, Matt Brian White, and Sarah Brunfield uh, by light. Baltimore. More than 150 Catholic priests and others associated with the Archdiocese of Baltimore sexually abused over 600 children and often escaped accountability according to a long-awaited state report released wednesday that revealed the scope of abuse spanning 80 years well 80 years and are accused church leaders of decades of cover-ups well a lot of people are dead i imagine 80 no years kidding. the report paints a damning picture of the archdiocese which is the oldest roman catholic diocese well, I'm 80 years old. I remember being blessed. I didn't think, you know, I didn't think it would say anything till now. Come on now. Which is the oldest Roman Catholic diocese in the country and spans much of Maryland. Some parishes, schools, and congregations had more than one abuser at the same time, including St. Mark's Passage in Catonsville, which had 11 abusers, living and working there between 1964 and 2004. Oh, happy days. One deacon admitted to molesting over 100 children. One another priest is allowed to feign hepatitis treatment and make other excuses to avoid facing allegations. The Maryland Attorney General's Office released their findings of years-long investigation during Holy Week, considered the most sacred time of the year in Christianity, held ahead of Easter Sunday, where hypocrisy is practiced in full bloom. And said that the number of victims is likely far higher well yeah the report was reject redacted to protect confidential grand jury materials meaning the identities of some of the accused clergies some accused clergy were, were removed oh they moved the names of the accused the staggering 
pervasiveness of the abuse itself underscores the culpability of the church hierarchy. The report said the sheer number of abusers and victims, the depravity of the depravity of the abuser's conduct, and the frequency with which known abusers were given the opportunity to continue preying upon children are astonishing. Disclosure yeah. of the redacted findings marks a significant development and ongoing legal battle over the release and adds a growing evidence from across the country of numerous similar relations that have rocked the Catholic Church in recent years. They're not alone. There has been Southern Baptist uh, revelations. We covered this story a couple of months ago. Baltimore Archbishop, that was in Tennessee, and the South, the Southern Baptist version in the South. Baltimore Archbishop William Laurie, in a statement posted online, apologized to the victims, said the report details the reprehensible time and history of the Archdiocese. The reprehensible time and history. Like it's, oh, it's so far ago. And it's difficult most, most, most to imagine that such evil acts could have actually occurred. For a victim and survivors ever to know the hard truth, the evil acts did occur. Also on Wednesday, the state legislature passed a bill to end the statute of limitations on abuse-related civil lawsuits, sending it to Governor Wes Moore, who said he supports it. The Baltimore Archdiocese says it has paid more than $13.2 million for care and compensation for 301 abuse victims since 1980s and $6.1 million to 105 voluntary settlements. That's wow. oh, $20 million. And Believe again, just, re just remind you, they pay no taxes. Maryland General Attorney General Anthony Brown, who took office in January, said the investigation shows pervasive, pernicious, and persistent abuse. State investigators began their work in 2019, they reviewed over 100,000 pages of documents dating back to the 1940s and interviewed hundreds of victims and witnesses. Abuse recalled as a life sentences. Victims said the report was a long overdue public reckoning and shameful relations the church has been factoring for decades, been facing for decades. Jean Hargan and Wenner said she was abused in Baltimore as a teen by Joseph A. Maskell a priest who served as Catholic high school counselor and chaplain. She said she reported abuse to church officials in the early 1990s when her memories of trauma finally resurfaced about two decades after she was repeatedly raped. I expected to do the right thing in 1992, she told reporters. I'm still angry. Maskell abused, abused at least 39 victims, according to the report. He denied the allegations for his death in 2001 and never criminally charged. The Associated Press typically doesn't know the names of the abuse, victims of abuse, but Wenner has spoken publicly to draw attention to the issue. Ken Ruprecht, who has also experienced abuse as a child, said he was said he was in his late 40s when he pieced together the traumatic memories. He said the realization brought him some relief because it explained the decades of self-destructive behavior and mental health challenges, but also left him overwhelmed with anger and disbelief. Right. So the Catholic Church again has another scandal. This time is a Baltimore diocese. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, we are uh, in a generation of political stupidity where one side accuses the other side of being groomers. Yeah. <laughs> You're <laughs> groomers. Okay, what is the what is a Southern Baptist and the Catholic Church if they're not groomers for child molesters? 
Go ahead. It's, we just get a bad rap. We never did any of that stuff. Yeah, All and right. we get tax exempt status too while we're molesting children and hiding it and just keeping them in place for oh, let me just let this guy wait rape over hundred people, you know, whatever, you know. Didn't All happen. Right. Didn't happen. Jesus wanted it to happen. But in France, they're still protesting against Macron's pension reforms since March twenty eighth. Uh, oh no, this is a video. This is footage. March twenty eighth. The first meeting since the pension changes were presented in January. It was over in an hour. Unions emerged calling for more protests. Hundreds of thousands of people across France are expected to protest on Thursday against Emmanuel Macron's rise in the minimum pension age, 2 to 64. After talks between the trade unions and the Prime Minister failed to pensions, France will face another day of strikes affecting transport, schools, and refineries, and anger over government's use of executive order to push through the pension charges changes without a parliamentary vote last month. Trade union leaders met the Prime Minister, Elizabeth Bourne, on Wednesday, warning that they would walk out of talks if she refused to discuss scrapping the raising of the minimum eligible age for retirement age to four. It was the first meeting between both sides since the government presented the controversial pension changes in January. The meeting lasted about an hour, but unions weren't angry and called for more protests. Cyril Chabonier forgot, I'm speaking French. Speaking on behalf of France's eight main unions said, he again told the Prime Minister that the only democratic outcome would be the text withdrawal. Prime Ministers replied that she wished to maintain the text, a serious decision. Sophie Binet, the new leader of the left-wing CGT trade union, called for more protests and strikes. We have to continue mobilizing until the end, until the government understands there is no way out other than withdrawing this reform, she said. We can't move on to anything else until the reform is repealed. Bourne said the pension changes were necessary and would go ahead. I told them again that I am convinced of the need for a reform, she said. A giant banner with the words, 64, it's no, was displayed by trade unionists, demonstrators at the top of the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. Paris soon after the meeting broke up. They removed it after police arrived. Macron is facing the biggest challenge of his second term as president over his controversial changes to the pension system, raising the minimum age from 62 to 64, and accelerating an increase in number of years required to qualify for a full pension. Current unions have been leading coordinated on on-off strikes since January. Polls have shown two-thirds of the French public opposed the government's changes. Critics say the pension reforms isn't fair for workers in low-income or difficult men or jobs to start their careers early, as well as women who have paused to raise children. The government has argued that the changes are necessary to prevent pension systems from falling into deficit. France has the lowest qualifying age for a state pension among the main European economies and spends a significant amount of supporting the system. The active working population pay high payroll tax charges fair pensions as the bedrock of how society should work. Weekly protests in January have largely been peaceful, but when the government executive order to bypass a parliament vote that feared losing on 16 March, there were clashes between protesters and police. Oh no, they're gonna vote against us. Let's just pass it into law anyways. France's Constitutional Council will give its final say on the pension on 14th of April, last step before the changes are signed into law. While Laurent Berger, Head of the moderate CFD trade union wanted 
Warned of a serious democratic crisis in France, Macron was on a visit to China, where his entourage denied any democratic crisis at home, saying the pension changes had been central to Macron's election manifesto and he was voted in based on that manifesto. Protesters at Paris demonstration in recent weeks have said that a significant number of people on the left voted for centrist Macron last spring in order to keep out far-right Marine Le Pen, not in support of the manifesto, and he must therefore adapt his policy. Yeah, no kidding. A centrist? I'm a centrist. That means you're not as bad as the other guy. That's all that means. <laughs> that means you can't please anybody. Exactly. You're trying to please her. Yeah. Stop acting like your manifesto is why you got voted. I'm not in. with and these guys. Realize you've lost. You've lost. The people do not support your decision. Yeah, it's it's like negotiating against yourself all the time. That's what being a centrist is. Have a damn opinion. You know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Don't try to please these guys. They can't please them. They hate you. You've already <laughs> just disappointed them. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, that's the politics is a lot of times, though. Working with people you hate. They actually despise. That's, that's the tough one. Or oh, are we done with the story? Or are you still Next story? Yep. Yeah, next story. All right, then. Uh, one I haven't for thoroughly vetted. It's just will be fun reading it. A robot... Are robot waiters the future? Some restaurants think so. This is Deanne Durbin of AP News. So it's going to be like a insight type story more than a news type story. Madison, I sorry for the sniffles. You may have already seen them in restaurants. Waste time machines that can get greet guests, lead them to their tables, deliver food and drinks, and ferry dishes to the kitchen. Some have cat-like faces, even purr when you scratch their heads. But are robot waiters the future? It's a question that restaurant industry is increasingly trying to answer. Many think robot waiters are the solution to the industry's labor shortages. Sales of them have been growing rapidly in recent years, with tens of thousands now gliding through dining rooms worldwide. Aren't you like a refill on your drink? <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind. I can, I can be a robot waiter. There is no doubt in my mind that this is where the world is going, as Dennis Reynolds, Dean of the Hilton College of Global Hospitality Leadership at the University of Houston. The school's restaurant began using the robot in December, and Reynolds says it eased the workload for human staff and made service more, and more efficient. Of course he's saying that. He's saving money by not paying somebody. But others... <laughs> Others say robot waiters are much more, more than a gimmick. They have a long way to go before they can replace humans. They can't take orders. Many restaurants have steps, outdoor patios, and other physical challenges they can't adapt to. That's why you make them little tiny drones. And restaurants are pretty chaotic. You know, they can just buzz around everybody. Just go. The one takes your order and the other one brings it. Restaurants are pretty chaotic places, so it's very hard to insert automation in a way that's really productive. Yeah, I just want to eat. I don't need all this crap. Still, still the robots are proliferating. Redwood City, California-based Bear Robotics induced its Servi robot in 2020. Expects to have 10,000 deployed by the end of the year in 44 U.S. states and overseas. Oh my God, they're taking over. Senzin, Senzin China-based Pudu Robotics which was founded in 2016, has deployed more than 56,000 robots worldwide. Every restaurant chain is looking forward 
supported as much automation as possible. People are going to see these everywhere in the next year or two. There's something we can look forward to. Lee's Jai was having trouble finding staff for Noodle Topia in his Madison Heights, Michigan restaurant in the summer of 2021. So he bought a Bellabot from Voodoo Robotics. The robot was so successful he added two more. Now one robot leads diners to their seats while another delivers bowls of steaming noodles to their tables and dunks it directly in their laps. No, I'm just kidding. Employee, <laughs> employees pile dishes onto a third robot to shuttle back to the kitchen. And then everybody takes a smoke break. Now, <laughs> now Zai only needs... I, I, I added that part. Now Zai only needs three people to do the same volume of business that five or six used to handle and they save him money. A robot costs $15,000, he said, but a person costs $5,000 to $6,000 per month. Zai said robots give him, give human servers more time to mingle with customers, which increases tips and customers always post videos of robots on social media that entice others to visit. So. Are we really saving labor if you're always you're always having servers anyway? I'm I'm confused. You're still having human servers. Are we saving money? Interactions with human. I guess it's just fewer uh, bus boys. I guess interactions with human servers can vary. Betsy Jiren Reynoso works for Bellabot in the sushi factory in Westbourne, Melbourne, Florida. Said the robot can be a pain. You can't really tell it to move or anything, she said. She also had customers who didn't want to interact with it. But overall, the robot is a plus, she said. It saves her trips back and forth to the kitchen and gives her more time with customers. All right, I, get, I got you. <laughs> Labor shortage accelerated the adoption of robots globally, LeClaire said. In the U.S., the restaurant industry employed 15 million people at the end of last year, but that was still 400,000 fewer than before the pandemic. According to the National Restaurant Association, a recent survey, 62% of restaurant operators told the association they don't have enough employees to meet the customer demand. Yeah, because right, you man. don't want to pay them. Yeah, so this is going to be actually, you know, you, you can't afford to hire workers. You make one time, a, you make a one-time payment as long as the robot doesn't break out, break down, and comes with a maintenance plan. You're, you know, you know, healthcare, right? Yeah. The electricity electricity costs, you got to keep the battery charged, yeah. but again, you know, you got to keep your employees battery charged too, right? Yeah, I went, to a, I went to a uh, Korean barbecue place in Rotterdam. They had yeah. a little robot server who just pulled it down, stopped at the right aisle, then you just put your stuff in the tray. Of course, the problem with that is that you can just steal people's food if you want to. Yeah. Now, if yeah, just walk up to the box. You can be like, oh, that's nice. They got a ribeye. I'll take that. Yeah, I just walk nice out. Nice ribeye. I only ordered the baked potato, you know? <laughs> Robot's like, hey, wait. Hey, wait. Well, actually, they've done really good with, uh, they've actually done really good with AI voices, though. So robots sound a lot more. Do you not know about Vocaloid? Oh, oh, I know, I know. Everything is advancing. Have you heard of Vocaloid? But our 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 listeners would like to hear about it. Vocaloid? You know what Vocaloid is? Continue. Um, it's basically computer-generated music singing. Ah. They, they famously Japanese. I think a Jap 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 Japanese person came up with it. 
Yeah. And of course, been, we it's been welcome. It's like 20, 2010, I think, is when it started, Vocaloids. So they can really make computer noises sound like human voice <laughs> these days. In the spirit of Kent Brockman from The Simpsons, we welcome our animated overlords. <laughs> All right. Your story. My next story. Update on the Russian girl who anti-pictures and... and her father got arrested in Russia. Ooh. And the, the announcement that the child has left the orphanage comes before the court ruling on whether to strip the father of Maria Moskalovoya of parental rights for his criticism of the Ukraine war. Your child is learning different propaganda. We can't allow that. Only our propaganda is allowed. A Russian girl sent to an orphanage after drawing an anti-war sketch at school has been taken from the facility by her mother, the Kremlin Children's Right Commissioner has said. The Kremlin's Children's Right Commissioner, Maria Livoya Bolovia, said that she had met the ch girl's mother, who had long been separated from her husband and child. The girl previously refused to live with her mother, but changed her mind, so the mother took her home. Yeah, I, I'm sure the orphanage was a great place and she wanted to stay there over above anything else. In case that... In a case that drew international outrage, father of 13-year-old Maria was convicted of discrediting the Russian military and handed a two-year prison term, and his daughter was sent to the orphanage. Father, Alexei, fled house arrest just before his sentencing hearing last week in the town of Yefremov, south of Moscow. He was detained in Belarus two days later. His whereabouts are unclear, but a court in the Russian town of Yefremov is set to consider on Thursday a request by the prosecutors to strip him of his parental rights. Moskalyov, 54, was charged over social media posts criticizing the war in Ukraine under a law adopted days after Russian troops invaded the neighboring country in February 2022. He rejected the accusations. According to his lawyer and supporters, Moskalyov's trouble began after his daughter drew a picture of Yefremov School Number Nine that depicted missiles flying over a Russian flag at a woman and child. The drawing also featured the words "No to War" and "Glory to Ukraine." The school called police. The girl was questioned, and Moskolyov was fined and eventually prosecuted and convicted over his social media posts. The case underscored the scope of a Kremlin crackdown and dissent that has relentlessly targeted anyone who dared to criticize the war. Memorial. One of Russia's oldest and most prominent rights groups and winner of the 2022 Nobel Peace Prize has declared Moskolilov a political prisoner. The International Criminal Court is seeking to arrest Bovia Belova, along with Russian President Vladimir Putin, for war crimes for allegedly deporting children from Ukraine. He spoke to a UN meeting on Wednesday to argue that the children were moved for their safety, that Moscow was working with international organizations to turn them to their families. Bryn blocked the UN webcast of the Security Council meeting and her appearance sparked a walkout by diplomats from the US, Britain, Albania, and Malta. Right. That's a short story about that. On to your next coverage. Okay, well students across America take part in orchestrated walkout calling for gun reform. So we have two related stories according to that. They're short. The renewed Outcry over guns and mass school shootings are stemming from protests in the wake of deadly shootings in Nashville. Uh, this is a story out of Houston, Channel 11, but it's about nationwide. 
Students across the country participated in walkout Wednesday for desk gun violence and were calling on inaction from politicians meeting gun reform. The demonstrations came on the heels of large protests in Nashville. Following a school shooting, it claimed the lives of three nine-year-old children and three adults. The wake, in a wake of mounting mass shootings at schools, they always keep to they say they're mounting. They, they're, they're just always happening. I don't know if they're mounting. Like there's a big bunch of them coming for us. Oh, the school shootings are coming for us. They're mounting. That's a weird use of the language. I just, I just say it. It's like it's like the sports guys writing it. There will be things like we we'll go down. We'll go on lockdown and be like, great, are we getting shot again? Like this is going to happen again? Megan Trutchley said, Trutchley's a Sugarland high school senior and students demand action volunteer. The renewed outcry over guns and mass shootings is stemming from protests at the Tennessee State Capitol. For days, the young people have asked state legislators to respond to recent school shootings in just more than just a few words. Denying what that type of situation when our children are bleeding in schools is inexcusable that not that's not something that we can sit back and do nothing harris county judge lena hidalgo also highlighted the effects of gun violence on youth in 2021 50 children in harris county died because of gun violence that's the size of two elementary school classrooms hidalgo said between 2016 and 2021 firearm related deaths increased among youth in harris county by 37%. We're doing everything we can, but we can't control the lax laws and lack of action on the state level. Students have walked out demanding that Texas lawmakers stay action. We are here to let ourselves be heard in a way that we haven't heard before, specifically by legislators that continue to fail again and again. The students want action on red flag raws, background checks, raising of a major purchase, AR-15 rifles to 21. That's the simplest little small little thing and the gun nuts won't even agree to that just amazing yeah okay and more gun nut fascism news tennessee house poised to expel three democrats over gun control protest this is from new york times written by emily cochrane as in nashville as teenagers and demonstrators flooded the Tennessee State Legislature last week to call for lawmakers to toughen access to guns for deadly shooting in Christian school. Three Democrats are headed to the well of the House chamber, holding hand-drawn side calling to protect our kids, not guns. Speaking through a megaphone, State Representative Justin Jones, Justin J. Pearson, and Gloria Johnson led chants that called their colleagues to pass stricter gun laws, forcing legislature late of proceedings to temporary halt. Now in what be an extraordinary act of retribution for the for the protests, repu fascists and Republican I'm sorry, I get the words mixed mixed up. Fascists <laughs> are opposed to vote on Thursday to oust the Democrats in the General Assembly. I mean really they don't have any power. Yeah. I mean, so ousting them is symbolic more than anything else. And carry the first Partisan expulsion in the state's modern history. The House of Representatives has only, only twice since the Civil War expelled a member. Once in 1980, after a sitting lawmaker was convicted of soliciting a bribe, and again in 2016, after House Majority Whip faced allegations of sexual misconduct while in office. My guitar just moved. All right, you're haunted. All right, maybe it's a ghost of Woody Guthrie or something. Despite <laughs> the absence of. Come on, Woody, write me a song. Despite the absence of any 
criminal charges or investigation. Republicans argue that the expulsions are warranted because the protests flooded the rules of procedure into court. Oh, okay. With the House Speaker going as far to invoke the violence of the 2020... <laughs> invoke the, the, the violence of the, the, the uh, 20... January 6, 2021 riot at the U.S. Capitol. I'm sure this guy is really invoking it, and he probably supported the riot in 20, 2021. I guarantee he supported it. Come yeah. on, we, we really won the election, even though we lost resoundingly. Idiots. <laughs> And the Republicans holding a supermajority that provides the necessary two-thirds majority for expulsions. Democrats have little resources to stop the vote. Yeah, exactly. Just let them do it. Just let them be the freaking fascist hypocrites they always were. The three lawmakers who represent districts in the state's three largest cities have only lost ID access to the state capital and stripped of any committee assignments they had. Thursday's vote comes as a Republican-dominated legislature remained largely unmoved by thousands of Protesters calling for tighter gun laws. They're not even calling for tighter. Did you hear? Did you hear what I was asking? They were asking for to no. make it to make it 21 the age you can buy a AR-15. Woo! Why well, that's radical? Let's raise the age where you can buy a they're, killing machine. They're literally not taking into account that where do the people get their guns from their parents usually who are definitely way above 21 so like <laughs> well the point being when you're 18 you can't buy alcohol you can't buy cigarettes you can't buy uh weed in what states where it's legal but hey you can buy an air 15 in fact you can buy two you can buy five so one day you're 17 never thought about buying a gun and one day you're 18 and go i can buy a gun oh shit let me go and then you go somebody pissed me off i'll go shoot him because you're 18, you're stupid. You haven't figured out how to, you know, channel your energies yet. They should raise it to 25 yet. then. They should raise it to banning them completely, like they used to be. <laughs> <laughs> AR-15s I mean, are a you. killing machine. The I rounds, agree. the rounds they put in those things, the exit wound as big as a volleyball, right? Yeah. The entrance wounds this little tiny hole. The exit wound is a volleyball. That's what happens to a person from one of those bullets. They should just show the pictures of these kids. They should. Here, here's what happens to a kid. This, that used to be a kid there. Believe it or not, that was a kid at one time. Yeah, what, what is what One second later. Didn't they famously a pile of pulp. say in the Uvalde or Uvalde? Uvalde. Uvalde shooting that one kid couldn't be like recognized except for the shoes that she was wearing. That's how yeah, disfigured no. she was. That that's like, most oh, reprehensible. That's, that's my daughter's shoe. Okay. Well, that's most re reprehensible. You say, who's gonna, who's gonna stop him but, but a good guy with a gun? Well, all the cops are just standing out in the hallway listening to what happened. A bunch of good guys with a gun doing nothing. Because they're terrified of the fucking killing machines. Rightfully so. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Story. Is that the end of the article? That's it, man. That's the end of my outrage. I'll do this every day the rest of my life. It's like, ah, uh, you know, you can just ban in magazines over 10 rounds, ban the manufacturer and sale, right? That way, these shit balls can only shoot 10 people and they had to reload or yeah. change guns or something. All right, go ahead. Okay. In culture news, a wordless death. Dazzling new talent in a 50-day squat. Is Athens the hotbed of European theater? 
30 directors from all over Europe converge on Greece for a showcase in its fizzling new talent that even include a play about the Nazis by Tony Kushner. What did they learn on this five-day odyssey? How do we cope with the loss of a loved one? Do the rituals of mourning help? Is there any prospect of an afterlife? These questions were buzzing in my brain after seeing a wordless 70-minute show. Goodbye, Lindita, in a cover converted factory in Athens. Conceived and directed by Mario Banushi, 24-year-old son of Albanian immigrants, production was part of a five-day showcase organized by the National Theater of Greece. I felt mm -hmm. I was witnessing the emergence of an exciting new talent. I wanted to see one play while I was in Greece. Why didn't yeah, I just too. push you guys harder to see a play with me in Greece? I would have gone. <laughs> yeah, I know, but we just didn't. I don't push hard enough for the things I want. Hey, I'm just... Greece is still there. <laughs> it's still there. Good. That was that it. If Athen Athenian work does travel, it will fulfill the showcase's basic aim. As Yanis Moskos, the artistic director of the National Theatre, told me, they lack visibility abroad. To rectify that, the National arranged a program of seven productions spread over their two theatres. But the whole project was endangered by what is known locally as the Squat. On Fe 5th of February, the National Theatre was occupied by more than 200 drama students, and a few days later, its second house, the Rex, similarly taken over. Cause was a government edict that would, in effect, devalue the degrees issued by the School of Theater, Dance, and Cinema, and Music, and reduce them to the level of high school diplomas. A decision that caused widespread outrage. So what? You studied art and studied the art of acting. You're basically just a high school student. You don't have a brain. You don't. You can't think. Here's an AR-15. The squat, says Moscos, was a symbolic gesture, but one which we at the National supported. They also didn't do anything brutal like calling in the police. But, although the squat lasted 50 days and only ended because of the hope a forthcoming election will bring change, it inevitably affected our program. Some showed how to close, others were delayed, and we had to rehearse in rented spaces. Moscos ruefully admits that at the end of the squat, he was starting to lose patience. But he is a genial figure who has broken conventions in many ways. He is the first artistic director of National to be chosen by a committee theater rather than the government government minister. He is the first director to assign a different policy to five stages in the National Two Houses. He also told me he is the first director in Greek theater to come out as gay. Which is crazy. You know what to say about all his notable first. <laughs> he still has a battle with an age-old problem what confronting the national. This is its subsidy has remained stubbornly at six million for most of the last decade. Oscos admits that he will have to spend much more, much of the 18 months remaining on his contract fundraising. He plans to stage Matthew Lopez's The Inheritance, and during my stay, I saw his production, surtitled sur in English like everything I watched, of Tony Kushner's A Bright Room All Day. Meringen 1987 has long been overshadowed by mm -hmm. Angels in America. But this revival makes a good case for it. Don't have to read about the that the the plot of the play. Don't, just go see the play, okay? They're recommending right. to see that play. Uh, uh, this is comprehensive news of Earth, of planet Earth. So there's clearly a fascination in Athenian theater with depravity. Visitors to the National Theater Showcase were invited to see productions at Onassis Stegi, a vast, lavishly endowed art center. With a bias towards innovation. I hurried there to catch a new version of Crime and Punishment. 
It was directed and co-adapted by Val Vasilis Vizikis. And on previous visit, I had been hugely impressed by his of mice and men. That's a real. Those are all sad things. Mm -hmm. That was a stage on a minimal budget in an old machine shop. I came away from Athens struck by the sheer quantity of theater available. This week alone, there were 284 shows on offer, as well as by quality of the acting, the capacity of the National Theater to surmount the recent crisis. But as Moscos reminded me, there's still much work to be done. Last, the National urgently needs more money, more new writing, and not least, more female directors. Okay, I'll go there right now. <laughs> go on, do it. I don't know Greek though. One of its biggest recent hits, a stage Everybody version of Charlie English. Chaplin's City Lights, was the work of a woman, Amalia Bennett, who happens to be a long-term British expat. Na National Theatre Moscow's myth is traditionally conservative, but he is keen to make it a home not for the great classes, but for modern drama, unfamiliar to Greek audiences, radical experiments. All I can say is that if he can find more work at the caliber of Banushi's Goodbye, Lindita, Stands to fare a chance of success. All right. So. I I really regret not going to a play too. Yeah, I have to go again. Yeah. Oh darn! We have to go to Athens. Yeah, yeah we're part of our big Mediterranean tour at some point. All right. So this day in history, April sixth, and eleven ninety nine, Richard the First Lionheart was mortally wounded in battle at. Chalice in the Duchy of Aquitaine. Uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was formed by the American prophet Joseph Smith in Fayette, New York at this day in 1830. In 1862, April 6th, Union troops clashed with uh, Confederates in the southwestern Tennessee in the Battle of Shiloh in the American Civil War. In Japan in 1868, the Japanese Emperor Meiji issued a charter oath which served to modernize the country during the Meiji, Meiji, maybe you know how to pronounce it, M-E-I-Meiji, Meiji Restoration. In 1909, explorer Robert Edwin Peary led the first expedition to the North Pole. 1970, 1917, the United States declared war on Germany and proceeded to kick their butts. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we did win the war, and it was yeah. stalemate until then. The Tony Awards were presented for the first time. Notable winners included Ingrid Bergman, playwright Arthur Miller, and director Ezra Elia, Elia Kazan in 1947, the first Tony Awards. Uh, in 1973, Ron Bloomberg became the first designated hitter in Major League Baseball history. The Swedish group ABBA in 1974 give me, give captured the top. Oh, well, I was about to break into a different song. <laughs> they captured the top prize Euro Eurovision contest in 1974. Their song Waterloo. Waterloo. I don't know any of this lyrics. I just know the songs. Right? Right? I know. Dancing Queen. That's all I know, man. It's like, it was always played on the radio. So, American 1980, American company 3M 
began selling post-it notes in U.S. stores. So happy birthday to the post-it note. You are now 43 years old. 1992, Russian-born, a sad day, very sad day, Russian-born American author and biochemist Isaac Gazimov, a highly successful prolific writer, died at the age of 72. It was in 1992. Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, Mickey Rooney, famous for being a short actor who started as a child and stayed the same size, so he was able to play a teenage boy away until his 40s. <laughs> died at the age of 90... Died at the age of 93. Yeah, he also played the Japanese guy. <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's. Right. Uh, the Olympics were revived. The modern Olympics. In a tradition. Uh, so, the modern Olympics were open for the first day. They opened actually in spring. That's weird. The first modern games opened on Athens in this day in 1896. So they played the Olympics starting in April. So we, the weather must be good in Greece right now, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. We we're there in November. It was great. I don't even remember it being. Do you remember the weather? I don't remember it. I remember like, that I brought a jacket and I wore it twice. Yeah, um, and, and the thing is, yeah, it's like Southern California. I remember it. it's exactly like. I think it looks like Southern California. All right, man. Yeah. That's about it. That's the news and what happened today on April 6th. It's Merle Haggard's birthday, 1937, and uh, other people I don't know. So, if I'm going to mispronounce your names today, more, right? <laughs> All right, well, that's been of. Allison here from Europe talking about how all the previous news is still happening, okay? None of that stuff has stopped. So, keep that's your eyes right. on that. I don't know, protest on Twitter or something. Let people know. And a new slogan. And a new and slogan we're trying out here. <laughs> the I see it as a mirror, so I hope you see it right. Yeah, I see it but, correctly. Uh, okay. That's our new slogan for April 6, 2023. <laughs> 2023. I don't know. We'll see you next is. time. Have a good one. I am your news bot. Be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons, and follow our other channels, Toxic Alley, History of Gravy, and Scratchy Old Records.